What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. This is the 9 by 9 the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. It is episode 22. It's Tuesday, April 12th. My name's Rob St. Clair. That's Everett DeLorem. And joining us once again is a special guest from Toronto, Mr. Dan Manili from 5-1 Volleyball. Boys, welcome to the show. What's going on? Not How's it going, much. Rob? We're uh, doing, doing, doing well. Thanks for having us on again. Uh, good to be back. Um, it seems, though... I missed last week because I had a certain illness, and now it seems the shoe's on the other foot. It seems like everyone in the universe is going through the same thing, Rob. Yes, there's a, uh, our, everybody's favorite coronavirus has waged war on me for a second time now, and uh, I fought it off the first time, and I'm going to do it again. But if you notice my voice sounds a little weird, or if I uh, forget to mute myself while I go to cough, uh, that's the reason, but I'm, I'm hanging in there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be the, the thing in vogue to do right about now, huh, Dan? <laughs> Seems to be. It, it depends, though. Like some people get it worse, some people don't. We'll see. At least it's not affecting volleyball right now. That's, no, that's all I care. Thank about. goodness. Or me. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm safe. I'm safe from it. Yeah, Robert, never, never got over his about a month ago. It's really that's, going around. That's that's true. Uh, January, February were not fun for me. But Rob, I'm I'm wondering if are you actually sick or is are you just exhausted and your voice is hoarse from all the commentating you've been doing, VLA this weekend and. Might as well jump into it. One of the most epic matches. Um, you just described it to me as the best non-finals champion league match ever. Um, now, Dan and I have already broke it down. We've already discussed it. But, Rob, give us your uh, initial takes on Trentino's epic golden set win to qualify for the Superfinals in the Champions League last Thursday. Yes. Well, uh, first of all, I agree. It, I will stand by that take that it's the best non-championship match or series in the history of Champions League. Uh, just the both matches were just so ridiculous with uh, Trentino winning the first in five and then this one going to a golden set. So I, I couldn't fit it all in one graphic, but uh, sure enough, we got a golden set right there that Trentino won at home 17-15. They were up eight to two. I think they were up 12 to 7. And sure enough, Perugia comes all the way back and Wilfredo Leon rips an ace down 13 14 to tie it up. But then uh, Rick Liskey, who had a phenomenal match, hit the ball out of bounds to lose at 17 15. This was a defining moment for my career as a commentator, first of all. It was, the, it was the best match or series I've ever commentated. It was important to me to be able to do that. I was, it was an honor. Uh, I said at the very end of that second broadcast that I was almost in tears because of how good it was. <laughs> I and, I, and I wasn't lying about that. That was not a joke. Sorry, I can't speak one second. Yeah, that's you're you're already you're already tearing up, right? You're welling yeah, up. I, it. I, I admit it. <laughs> it's happening to me again. So this was just insane. I, I think this this series was better than both of Zox's runs to the finals last year, like the those the Zenny Kazan series, the Lube series last year, which was just so insane, and so many other great moments in the history of the CV Champions League. But this, as far as nine finals go, I really think this was it. So compared to what we talked about. On last week's show, and you guys did a good job breaking this match down on Friday's podcast, so we don't have to go into it too deep, but from my perspective, uh, for, I was first incredibly impressed with Matt Anderson. Man, did he turn it around. Uh, 20 for 31, uh, two, four errors total. That's above 50% efficiency, uh, two aces and a block. And while Perugia as the team had the worst serving performance maybe ever, in a, a t like, and I think we've been on the same page this year that that's really the only time they're going to lose is if they serve the ball like trash. Sure enough, six aces to 28 errors. 
those six aces were four by Leon, two by Anderson, and none by everybody else. Rick Liskey, six service errors, no aces. Gianelli, four service errors, no aces. Leon, four aces to ten errors. Like, good ratio, but ten errors is just way too many. The So Perugia had a terrible serving performance. They had a bad day from Wilfredo Leon, which you guys already talked about. Trentino was insane, as usual. Uh, Micheletto was outstanding. But what really impressed me was two things. One, Trentino dealt with some injuries. Matej Kaziski went out in the middle of the fourth set and did not return. So they had to bring in Oreste Cavuto for him. And they, they hung in the rest, the rest of that fourth set, even though they lost. Then they move Lavia to the left and bring in Penali on the right. It's like more of a traditional uh, lineup of wings. And they barely lose the fifth. 15-13, but they're able to win a golden set with that lineup. So they they did this. They made this incredible, incredible statement without one of their best players. Kaziski wasn't even on the floor in the fifth set of the golden set. And the other thing that impressed me, <clears throat> excuse me, was uh, Trentino's ability to capitalize on Perugia's weaknesses in the rotation where, whenever Alessandro Micheletta was serving. Uh, they they played their cards right where whenever Micheletta was serving, Leon was passing in the front court. So he was passing in position five and hitting in the front row. Every time that happened, Trentino went on a run, including the run that got them up eight to two in the golden set. Micheletta was just hooking serves from position five to position five. Leon could not pass a ball inside the three meter line. And terrible rotation. For terrible. Them. Such a bad rotation for them. And nobody could get nobody attacking could get them out of that rotation. And it wasn't even aces that many, although Micheletto had three, but there were that that rotation dominated this matchup to me. Even the first match, it was still a weakness for Perugia. But it is the singular reason why Trentino won this match is that they were able to run in Micheletto's service rotation, targeting Wilfredo Leon passing. And that's an area of his game that we've criticized over the years, but he's really, really significantly improved lately until this particular one. He couldn't handle that one particular serve, and it might be the reason why Perugia lost the series. Now, this is a question for both of you. Um, does this loss affect Leon's legacy? I mean, kind of a, a follow-up to our, our discussion on Friday. Um, I would say not, maybe not this loss specifically in particular, but like we've said the last couple of years, um, Everett, it's it, it is starting to to pile up a bit. These these things are cumulative, right? I mean, he had this incredible, legendary run with Zanikazan, and nobody can take that away from him. And you know, you can take you can end his career right there, retire at 24, 25, and he's still a Hall of Famer, still one of the best volleyball players ever. However, the fact that he has not been able to win anything yet outside of, of Perugia. And especially, you know, he's had some legitimate excuses in the past, whether it's been setting or injuries. But this year, there's, there's no excuses. This year is, is and, and especially since a lot of the defeat, it didn't fall on him, I would say, but they, they needed him to play better. Uh, they needed him to be, you know, that 60% efficiency, you know, five A's, five air, Wilfredo Leon, and, he, and he, he didn't come up with the, with the goods today. So I would say, yes. This is starting to affect his legacy, especially if this continues for another few years. He got blocked nine times. Yeah. He got stuff blocked nine times, plus five unforced errors on only 18 kills. That's and credit 18... to the record Lisa Natch on those. Oh, totally. Five of those were Lisa Natch. Lisa and a Notch, couple solos in there, too. Lisa Natch was just outstanding, like you guys talked about last week. But even Spertoli got him a couple times, and that is yeah. a matchup that Leon should not lose. It did not make sense that he 
uh, couldn't figure out the particular matchup with Trentino. Although I think you guys brought up a good point on Friday as well about Gianelli did not have a very good game. I don't think he set a very good match at all. What I and I said this on commentary that I wanted him to run the middle more. I wanted Soleil to be more involved. I, like. Mengozi, man, whatever. He's like he's a competent attacker at best, and they bring in Ricci. He was okay, but I I take kind of a USA approach at middle attack, and and the one thing that I'll always appreciate John Sparaw for is that he lumps middle attack as like quick first tempo front court middle and the pipe. He lumps those two things together, and he wants a certain percentage of his offense to be run through the middle of the court, whether it's front or back row. The Bic was a complete non-factor for Perugia in this match. I think Dan said in the podcast that Leon had one attempt out of the pipe. One, one for Leon, f- four for Matt Anderson. That is not enough. That's not even close to enough when Micheletto is running that down your throat on the other side. It is, it's insane that Perugia, with the weapons that they have, and you, even if you don't like hold the middles as highly of attackers as I think that they are, you still have Anderson and Leon in the pipe, two of the best pipe hitters in the world. How do you not go to them more than five times total in six sets? I think that's a setting failure and put a little bit more pressure on the wings to perform. Anderson did, Leon did not, and it was kind of that simple. Do you think it's also, Rob, maybe because there's almost another technical strategic thing from Trentino where they were going to Leon when he was available for that pipe, forcing him to take a tough pass and then take him out of that you know, attacking option. I think, you know, the more we talk about this game, guys, the more I'm like, man, this is a bit of a coaching win for Lorenzetti. I totally like you agree. Said, those rotations, Absolutely. you know, bringing in the right player at the right time. You know, like you said, the Micheletto serving, you know, forcing Perugia into these areas. I think, I think, I think Lorenzetti gets a lot of credit for this win. And you know me, I, I'm tough on coaches. I don't give them a lot of credit, <laughs> but this, this was a good performance. I completely agree with 100%. that. 100%. Glad you especially, brought that up. Especially like we saw Lishniach throughout that game going with the short serve. Right, and they were purposely trying to pull Leon when he was in the back row. They were purposely trying to pull him in front of the attack line and put him out of position in front of the attack line, and to make sure that that pipe option wasn't available. Um, and it really just got into a point for Perugia. We talked about it a little bit on Friday about it was just a high ball off- offense to the outside, high balls to Rich Licky, high balls to to Leon and uh, and Anderson. And they really didn't utilize their the middle uh, at all. Now this is two years in a row that Perugia has fallen to. Trentino in the Champions League last year it was in the quarterfinals this year it's, it's in the semifinals is it is it Micheletto or is it Trentino and their systems as a team that's allowing to have them to have this much success against our you know what is on paper the best team in the world I mean I, I think Dan's right I think Lorenzetti gets a lot of the credit now last year that Trentino team should have probably beaten Perugia in my opinion when Perugia was the most one-dimensional elite team of all time. Uh, But this year, like Dan was saying, there's no excuses for this Perugia team. There are no excuses. You don't have Heinen to blame. You don't have Travitsa to blame. You don't have the lack of an opposite to blame. You went out and got Nikola Gerbic to coach you. You got Rick Liske. You got Anderson. And you got Gianelli. There are no excuses for that. So as, as for why Trentino was able to do this two years in a row, I, I, don't think it, I don't think the two in terms of last year versus this year are connected in any way. I think it's a, just this year, Trentino, I think they I think definitely think Lorenzetti outcoached Gerbich, and they did just such a great job at putting Leon in positions where he was extreme, like visibly, visibly uncomfortable in a way that we just don't usually see from him. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of it is the pressure too, because 
Uh, Perugia versus Trentino, four and two, uh, combining Champions League. I guess four and three, depending on if you count that last one as a win or a loss. It's it's four. Um, they're, they're four and four after. Four and four, okay. Yeah, after uh, this. Anyway, my point is Trentino or Perugia has, has pretty much not lost against a team other than Trentino for for a little while now. Yeah, they lost uh, one five setter to Modena, but other than that, Trentino was responsible for every one which, of their losses this year, which was in November. <laughs> like this is, I, I think, I think the pressure was there for Champions League. I think the leadership in Perugia. I think the chairman. One goal this year. Hey guys, I you know I spent 500k on Giannelli. I spent a million on Leon. I spent 700k on Matt Anderson. Made up numbers, but like that's a lot of money for a volleyball club. <laughs> probably not right? off with a lot of those numbers. Probably. Well, probably I mean, off, I, I, it's a lot I of money. Like, Matt the expectations for Champions League or bust this year for sure, yep, and so that can sometimes get the players' heads. Hundred percent, and. You know what? I think, Dan, you're completely right. I think it's just, just this comes back to all the way to Lorenzetti. And Lorenzetti has established himself because clearly as the best, if not one of the best, you know, coaches in, in Super League. Now we were gonna have we're gonna have a matchup, a rematch of last year's finals between uh Trentino and Zaxa. Obviously, Zaxa's path to the finals is a little less uh, eventful than last year's and a little <laughs> less eventful than, than Trentino having to go through Berlin and then just a, a JW team that's not uh, up to snuff. What are our, our thoughts uh, early on? Last year, I was all Zaxa. This year, I, I'm really on the Trentino bandwagon. And like, let's, be, let's remember, too, last week, I thought Trentino was done. Right. Last last week, you did. I, you did. I, I, I thought that they had kind of emptied the tank to beat Perugia in the first leg. And then they ended up losing to Piacenza. And then Trentino bounces back with two big wins, obviously against uh, Perugia in Champions League and then Piacenza to move on in the, in the uh, semifinals. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Rob, starting with you, what's your what's your quick prediction here for this uh, this matchup? Well, credit to you, Everett, first of all, for taking responsibility for a bad take because last week I, I kind of – I agreed with you last week where, like, we it was reasonable – to think that Trentino, after five setters against both Perugia and Piacenza, could have been burnt out coming into this one, which they I think injured, makes them all, they all the more deserved. It was just, it yeah. just made sense. Clearly, they, clearly, yeah. they, uh, they, you know, yeah, go ahead. And, and I, I said last week that they needed that third wing. They needed Lavia to be a lot better, and he was. Uh, 15 for 29 with only three errors plus four blocks. He, he was exactly what they needed him to be, so that certainly helped. I think because of the way Trentino was able to do this and in the fashion that they did it what like with the amount of studying and matchup exploitation that they clearly did they're my early favorite over zaxa uh, i think that they zaxa last year i think we all agree was better than zaxa this year and i'm not sure that zaxa this year can roll with the, the various looks and the punches that trentino is going to throw at them this year, the way they could have last year, uh, different coaches as well, uh, Kretsu instead of uh, Gerbich. I don't know. I, I think Trentino has the size. Uh, I think they're better in the middle. I think they're two of the three wings. I think they're at least as good. I think Mikuleto is the best player on either team, and I think they've got a better setter. I think Spiritali is a little better than Janusz. So, really, the only thing Zox has got in like player head-to-heads for me is Shoji. I think he's better than Zanger, and then. It depends on what what you count as an opposite, but like obviously Zox's wings are world class. But I think what Trentino you count as an opposite. <laughs> no, I mean Trentino's I Trentino's Rob. Trentino is better than them in the middle and at the center spot. I don't really think that's that debatable. But Nicoletto may be the best player on these teams, but 
But I think on the wing, Zach's has the next three guys. I would take Semenya, Kachmarek, and Schliefka over over probably Lavi or Kaziski. Especially both That's of those, those guys are Lavi is playing really well. Kaziski's that they're, they're great players and they've done incredible and way above expectations this year. But still, you know, so so Semenya can in Kachmarek's having like a career year this year. So I mean, I'm gonna have to do a deep dive into this because I think it's worth going like really like watching some serious tape on these two teams and and coming together and doing like a, a big prediction show. And we have a lot of time to do that. My early yeah, pick is that yeah, six yeah. weeks. Sucks, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's definitely for sure do that. We'll have to schedule something, something specifically just to preview this. And yeah, well, Dan, you do a deep, a deep statistical uh, deep dive for, for this one. And, and we'll, fa- and we'll figure it all out. Yeah. That's very much worth doing. So we, we've got uh, Everett and I on Trentino and Dan on Zoxa going into it. We'll see how much that changes over the next is, wait, wait, is it, month and a half. Is, I, is I that, is, Rob, though. is that, is that what you're picking here, Dan? Is it, are you going initially? I, I I have the ability to change it. Okay, I have the ability to change it. Fair enough. Right. Yeah. When right. when we when we do that deep dive show, we'll, our picks will be locked in, and there will be no going back at that point. Definitely. I just remember right. Rob last year on the European volleyball show when you got predicted like ten games in a row between men and women Champions League. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I don't know. He he hasn't been that good over there with uh, Dynamo Moscow, uh, heading heading things for him this this year. <laughs> Sure. Every, how can you possibly have that take? Lube, Lube lost to Yashevsky. Even if they would have, even if they would have beaten them, who? Why wouldn't you say they could have lost to Dinamo Moscow? That's that's a stupid take. You're 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 not wrong. Um, but moving forward, um, want to talk a little bit about? Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Italian League playoffs before we talk about uh, the Plus Liga playoffs. You just mentioned Lube. To me, that Lube Trentino matchup, Rob, is going to be insane. If you had asked me last week. You would have said Lube versus Trentino. I would have said Lube 2-0, right? It's is is or is it a five? It's a five game series, it's right? It's a five game series. It's, it's in a five the game series. Finals, yeah. yeah. So, so I would have called Lube 3-0, but Trentino has really turned the corner for me here, and they're looking good. Like they are, they're looking top notch. And on the other side, like, do we not have more perfect? Could we not have more perfect uh, semifinals in the Super League than we do this year? These are great semifinals. I mean, Lube, weirdly enough, because ab- about a month ago or whenever it was that they lost to Yashevsky and they, they were on a bad streak in Superliga, we were just all over them for the failures that they were having at the time. But in the last like three weeks, they've really been flying under the radar. Like they got past Monza easily mm-hmm. and they've been just kind of sitting around w- because that Trentino Piacenza series went longer. And obviously they're out of Champions League. So we haven't talked about Lube in a little while. And that's kind of fun because I, I now have a harder time picking this series because I don't exactly know what Lube is going to give us. And Trentino has been a little up and down this year against Lube in particular. I think Lube may have gone two and zero against him in, in the regular season, if I remember correctly. But uh, the, the big question marks for me are what kind of Osmani Wantarena are we going to see? If any, uh, who's the second outside? Is it Lucarelli or Yant? And how are they going to play? And then how does Trentino attack the matchup? How does Lorenzetti strategize against the fact that Robert Landy Simone is going to get six or seven balls per set. Like, how do they keep Trentino or how do they keep Lube off the service line? They they did a good job against that against Perugia, but you could argue they got a little bit lucky catching Perugia on a horrible serving day. Can they withstand Lube if, uh, I don't know, if, if Osmani, if Simone, if Zaitsev, if Yant are just serving bombs? Who knows? So I have a very hard time picking this series. Uh, I'm. 
Ugh, it, I definitely won't be a sweep. I could see absolutely. I, I could see either team winning in four or five. I really don't know how to pick it right now, but it does start on Thursday of this week with game one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on the Trentino side of things, I thought maybe they'd come in a little bit sluggish. We've talked about how many sets they've played. Like they've had to play five sets against Perugia last week, and then five sets against Piacenza, and then six sets against Perugia. And they came in and just blew the doors off of Piacenza. Yeah, they destroyed um, them. Just destroyed <laughs> them. Destroyed Six them. aces for Micheletto in two sets. Right after 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 two sets, he had six aces. Six aces only, one error. Micheletto and company absolutely blew the doors off of Piacenza. Piacenza was really one dimensional. They only went to Tonchek Cern. He was the only guy. You know, like he had thirty six attempts. The next the next guy up was Aaron Russell with only 13. Just a, what is a, that? that a, just like a terrible match by that's from a all sides. Brain, from the brain dead offensive performance. It, what oh, it was terrible. Like that's why we're not even even talk about Take it. Take everything that they did well to beat Trentino and five the match before and, and other than the just lineup, nothing. go away from the strategy entirely. Bernardi, you moron. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, let's at least get a, give him credit the fact that he went with Aaron Russell um and didn't you know, didn't bring in Tsiborasar uh, and and Antonov and you know all of the other stuff, but yeah. But he, didn't, he didn't start Ricine. What what happened here? Did he is the, is the stat sheet correct in saying that Damiano Catania played outside hitter for a set? He's like like he's. I think Ricine was playing quite poorly based on based on what I. Uh... Well, yeah, he, he was uh, negative efficiency, but it says yeah, he definitely only, seems he like played. a bit of a, a, a gaff though. Weird. Ultimately. Weird, yeah. but uh, on the one side, they were just—they couldn't answer uh, Trentino. Are we nine, seeing nine aces to only ten service errors for Trentino in the match? Yeah, wow. which is like once again, Micheletto six for one. That's insane. absolutely insane. insane. Um, it really—it's you know what Dan and I a couple weeks ago on uh, the five one podcast we talked about—is he reaching goat status and like. Every week he impresses me. Does he have every... the potential to week to reach goat status? Is he on you know the? the I think he's on the, the path. The line graph. Is Does he, he have the, the potential? Yes. How, how could you? How could you not say that he has the potential? Right. Now? He's the greatest of all time in a sport. That's pretty like that's pretty legit. Most players fall off of that path by the time they're like twenty. Yeah. Well, he is and, and twenty, and yeah, he he is twenty, and he has no weaknesses in this game. And you could argue that in all five main areas of being an outside hitter, he is top 10 in the world at least. I'd love to put together a, a, a highlight package of just him p- p- passing and playing defense. The way he moves so like, like so fast, like someone his size should not move the way he does. I don't think the we talked about his backdoor defense the, enough. Like, he, he's not. Yeah, like there was one play, I forget where what it was. Uh, like it was a like a serve with a dribbler off the net. It was falling towards the attack line, and he immediately sprawls and scoops it and just shelves it towards towards the setter. Perfect pass for Spatoli. Like, and he gets up, you know, another dig, and then crushes a the ball in the pipe. It's just like he moves like a libero, but he's seven feet tall. It's it's, it's <laughs> absolutely it's absolutely right. ridiculous. But do you guys me, want like, to hear some Micheletto numbers? Yeah, yeah let's please. hit us with some Micheletto numbers. Okay, since uh and since the start of 2022, so what what is that like 15 games ish? Uh, leading Trentino in points, 370. Second place, Kaziski, 322. 30 or 40 percent hitting efficiency. Woof. Also very good. Yep. Um, also, by the way, at least match 58% since then. Um, 2. Wow. 2.04 uh, passing out of three. So leading Trentino in passing as well. He's passing at uh, 2.4. My goodness. 11.5 2. 
11.5 ace percentage, so that's higher than guys like Zaitsev and Simoen. Also, only 15 air percentage, so also wow. pretty crazy. Wow. Um, and also, he's almost tied with Spertoli for a second on Trentino and Diggs as well, like we just said. A great defender. So How about much, blocks? Do you have blocking numbers on him? Uh, yes. He has 36 kill blocks, and he touches uh, touches 7%. So, I mean, those numbers are... Are not going to be as high for for an outside hitter. We, yeah. but I think that's the one where we can we we can see the eye test. And still, thirty six kill blocks uh, is, is pretty good for for uh, for Mister Micheletto there. Unbelievable. So, so my, my question for you guys with, with these uh, series heading up uh, and semifinal series about to get underway, is there a favorite in either series? Right, like I I think maybe maybe the Modena or sorry the Lube Trentino series is a bit of a toss up. But we look on the Modena Perugia side. I think there's a clear favorite and, you know, an underdog. However, we all know the potential of Modena. We all know that they could potentially just pop off. And, and you know, like this could be the first time that they really feel that pressure all year and they go off against them. Like, what they were one and one against per- Perugia this year. Engapath only has one loss all time against Perugia. Like, <laughs> best stat ever. Right? Like, I, I think that this, this, like, we could be in for some of the best semifinal series that we've seen in a while. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, there was a couple of weeks ago on this show when I said that I really think that Modena is the only team that has a chance, a chance of beating Perugia in a five-match series. And what I just saw from Trentino in, in Champions League has added them to that list for me. But I don't think that Lube can do that. But I, do, I still do think Modena, in some world, it is possible for them to play up to the Perugia level in and in three out of those five matches, it might be possible for them to win the series, but I'm not going to pick it. I, I think that Perugia now is going to be so pissed off from what happened in Champions League that I think they're going to kind of destroy Modena. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sweep. And, and we've seen that a little bit in the past where a team will unexpectedly lose Champions League for like Blue Bay last year and, or, or, and they just don't let it happen again, right? Like the, they're, they're going to be fired up. Which could um, be a factor in the Lube Trentino series, also. Exactly yeah. as well. I think um, for me, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I think uh, I think Lube is going to win that one. Uh, like like you guys said, really, their only weakness is that second outside hitter position. Uh, in 2022, both Yant and Lucarelli are hitting under 30 percent efficiency. Ouch. So that's that, that's that's pretty bad. And also, both of them are not passing that well. Actually, Juan is playing well. I believe in Lucarelli. I believe he can do it. So that's why I'm going to pick Lube, but. Um, ultimately, I think Lube is going to win also because, like we were saying, they lost Champions League. It's, it's time to go. And also, really, for Modena, the only path I see to success for them with the way they're playing right now is like just an all-time serving performance from, from totally. Namir. I mean, and he can do it. Like him and, him and Leon are the two guys where you can basically win, a, win an entire series on serves, but uh, that's a lot. That's, that's a low percentage uh, uh, maneuver here. I agree. I think that's that's the biggest chance that Modena has is for the combination of Namir, Leal, and Ingepet to just light, absolutely light it up from the service line. I think that's the only chance they have, but that's not impossible. I don't know. I I, I, I could just see something happening, right? Because you, you talk about the Perugia and Lube feeling that they're just like they're owed theirs after losing in Champions League, but is that not the same case for Modena? Did they not lose an embarrassing fashion in the CEV Cup? Did they not lose an embarrassing fashion in the Italian Cup? This team has a lot to answer to. This team has a lot of expectations on their back. And do you think this team, with the talent that they have and the like legendary experience on their team, they've got Olympic like 
two different types of, of Olympic cha- Olympic champions with Bruno and, and Engapeth. Hell, wasn't Bruno uh, Olympic MVP as well back in, in 2016? You've got arguably the best right side player in the world in Namir. Like, if there was ever a time, like, if if you could make one comparison for this Modena team in North American sports, they're 100% the Brooklyn Nets. Like, a team that is massively talented, that has had questionable performances from from their superstars all year long but you know that if something clicks they're ready to run and i could 100% see the pressure of this like this season and this series coming down and being like let's go give it to leon let's go give it to matt anderson let's go give it to gianelli everyone wants this team on paper to win and we're going to go spoil it for them right like i could 100% see uh, see modena play that way right and it just ta- i feel like it just takes one thing for them to be able to get come together as a team and go off like hell we didn't even talk about leal at all like this team is so talented that at any point i think they can go off you may have just talked me into it and that's why i think this series is going to be so good and it because <laughs> like I, I i'm still going to pick perugia but it, who have I, they beat in this year guys who have they beat in Modena beat Perugia. Modena was the only team in, in regular season to beat Perugia when Perugia had their whole lineup. Modena was the only team. Trentino did it once when Gianelli In November. Got, in November. When, when okay. Gianelli got COVID the morning of the match, Trentino beat him in Superliga. That was Perugia's only other loss of the season was to Modena, and they had their full lineup. Listen, I love Modena. I, I went to one of their games in the fall. I, I, I bought an Urban Enkepet jersey there. I remember, if I remember correctly, Rob, I almost got you a Dragon Stankovich jersey. But yeah, they weren't one. selling them. I was heartbroken. What, what, <laughs> what's a homie got to do to wear a daddy number seven on my back? Come on. Next time in Europe, we'll pick one up. But I, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I'm not seeing it from Modena. They're too air prone. And, you know, Everett, you compare them to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and we're going to stick with the basketball analogies here. I see them a little more as the Los Angeles Lakers. I think the current construction of this team just doesn't work. I think the egos are too big. I think they're not getting along. I think they're pointing fingers. I think just the chemistry isn't quite there for this team. Um, you know, you have your legend, like legendary players like Bruno, you know, not getting older, not playing as well. Um, could, could they win a game or two? Yes, but I, I, I think Perugia is very much, very certain going to win the series. You're comparing them to the Lakers who didn't even make the playoffs, right? We're talking about a Modena team who's already won a Playoff series. Well, they're both they're both right? yellow and gold or yellow and blue. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, so that's what got me started on that. I they, think Perugia they, is a little more Lakers like because LeBron and Leon are just the most similarly dominant players sure. that assembled superstar teams around them. But I kind of like the comparison of the you know just the general lack of chemistry that Modena has that the Lakers also had. I, I see it both ways. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Like I'm not necessarily picking Modena. For this series but i'm just saying that like they could make things interesting and like what like if we i i, I can 100 see a scenario where they win this series well let, let's um, get our picks on the record before we move okay, on okay. Uh, mine are perugia and i'm actually going to pick trentino and the other one can we let's do let's do a number of games too okay uh, i'm gonna say perugia 3-0 i, I really think that perugia is gonna come out and destroy them and i'll go with trentino 3-2 they they seem to like marathons i think they might be in for another one i'm going trentino 3-1 um and i'm going perugia 3-1 okay dan i'm gonna go perugia 3-0 okay 
Well, someone's got to pick Lube, Dan. And uh, no, I'm going Lube three one. All right. Okay. No one's no one's picking Modena here. No, I I think it's you it's... guys just talked them. Everett, you just said they were the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But if you if the Brooklyn Nets play against uh, Milwaukee, I'm still going to pick Milwaukee. Okay. Fair enough. Right? Like I'm picking Giannis over over KD right now. I don't care what. Uh, you know what Ben Simmons might might bring to the roster and what Kyrie is is going to do. You know, on on the flip side, I think Raptors are going to absolutely thrash the 76ers. But but that's for uh, that's for a different, that, a different that's, that's our basketball pod, that's our basketball podcast altogether today, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's hey, plenty hey, on basketball. All right, exactly. Uh, moving on to more volleyball, uh, staying in Italy. Let's check it. Let's take a look at the women's bracket now that it has started. Uh, until today, there was no drama whatsoever. Uh, all 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 four of the Higher seed won their first matches at home until today. Novara went to Cuneo and lost a head scratcher in four. They gave up a 10 to nothing run from 21 14 up to 21 24 down in the first set against Cuneo. Cuneo ended up just winning the match in four and looked like the better team. Gentlemen, is, is Novara championship caliber? Have they? Have they been too up and down this year? Have they failed to capitalize on great opportunities given to them in such a way that you don't think they can win a championship? No, I mean, I feel like we say this every time when a team a team win, loses one game in this best of three format that, you know, we said the same thing about Perugia versus Esterna. You know, it, it's, a little, it's a little early to write the obituary. We, had, we just had Trentino versus Piacenza. Um, for example, I, I, I don't know. I think you're, you're coming back home. Those Italian fans are crazy. Novara fans are crazy. Uh, I, I think they're going to get this third one pr- pretty easily. But just to just to bring some data with to the question that I'm asking, mm-hmm. you had no, Novara in Champions League. Uh, the only way you could consider what they did in Champions League was that they choked. They had an opportunity to beat THY on the road, which they they had their fair share of adversity because they had COVID and they were forced to play the match, but. They didn't get any points there. Then they all they had to do is beat Dinamo Moscow head-to-head at home. They get swept at home, and they miss out on Champions League. Then they had a chance to take the number one seed in the Italian playoffs, but they get swept by Scandici. There have been a couple examples of big – and then a Super Cup – or sorry, Italian Cup as well. They go up two sets to none over Caneliano, and sure enough, they get swept by them again. Now, they, they did finally beat them once later in the regular season, but in big moments, I think that's three pretty – uh, severe demerits on Novara's resume for like championship level scenarios where they've kind of crumbled. To me, is like if you have to start looking at Ebrar Karakur and the way that she kind Ooh. of disappears in big time matches, and we saw it like a little bit with Turkey this summer, and like looking at the numbers for her in this one, thirteen for forty five, three errors, blocked four times, hitting only a like a twenty nine percent hitting efficiency. And so kill her, percentage, her, 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 her kill, perc- way her kill percentage is, is, is 29 efficiency is not too bad for a no, s- woman outside hitter. Yeah, yeah but no, so that's a 29% uh, kill percentage. I, I'm sorry. That's not even her efficiency, right? Oh, she yeah. had 45 that's, that's attempts. The next one up was Dalderop with 27 and Bossetti with, with, with 21. And she wasn't great either. Five for 21. So it's just kind of like, where where is this coming from? Is Hancock not delivering the ball well enough, or is I think that's character? part of the problem. I, th- I think Hancock is a little bit of the problem in terms of locating the ball as a setter. 
I mean, I do, I do remember doing an interview with Steve, uh, Steve Aird, who was at the time an assistant coach with Penn State when Micah Hancock was there. And I remember talking to her, you know, like talking to him about, hey, how good is Micah Hancock? And she goes, well, like she, she has a lot of good, she does a lot of good things. Setting's just not one of them, which <laughs> I thought was hilarious, right? Oh, when you're talking about, right? Because she can oh, serve, she can play defense, she can do, do all of the things. And I do think that she's improved as a setter, but. You know, like maybe that's exactly why we saw Karch go with Jordan Poulter as the starting setter for, for for the USA because, you know, Hancock does bring a lot of nice things. But at the end of the day, like she's just like her hands and her ball placement and location just aren't necessarily the best. Who would be the men's equivalent of that? A setter who can do everything but set. Uh, Byron Katarakis. <laughs> That's a that's a niche take, but I, I kind of agree after a couple of matches watching him play. It's funny, I um I talked to Loy Ball about this and he said that he was that player early in his professional career where the, he, where he was good at everything except setting until uh, his first pro contact was in Japan where um he, the, the hitters were so picky that he needed to learn how to set with unbelievable precision and then he became oh. the best setter in the world. But uh he he, he, by his own admission, he was that guy early in his career that he was a setter that could do everything but set. That's a good point, though. Play, playing the Japanese system to develop setter precision, I, I, that's really like a good point. I've never thought of that before. He, yep. I, I asked him one thing that he learned from each country that he played in club, and that's what he said for Japan was he learned how to set the ball in Japan because of the high demands of his hitters. Yeah, I mean, hey, hey it makes sense. But uh, on the flip side, like, Novara Hat needs to be getting better uh, better performance performances out of their outsides right and even like even looking at chincharella down the middle one for seven um i can i honestly just want to chalk this down to a poor a poor performance on navarro's navarro's side of stuff and that happens and and dan's right you don't have we don't have to like write the obituary just yet but they've had there there's a little bit of a pattern here that's emerging to me that concerns me i do still think they're going to beat cuneo at home the next time but do i think they can beat monza in the next series Maybe not. It, that, that's going to be much more interesting. Yeah, definitely. All right. Do you want to, okay. Rob? Do we do we want to move on and talk a little bit about what's going on in the Plus Liga playoffs right now? Yes, they basically because there's something, uh, a couple things that I want to talk about here that I dare say are, are the tiniest bit controversial. So uh, let me put okay. up. This is the final regular season standings of the Plus Liga. Okay. The last time we talked about it on last week's show, everybody was done except Gdansk still had to play two more matches. They had makeup matches from a, a COVID situation. They they had to, sure enough, they had to play the top two teams in the league. They had to play Yashevsky. They had to play Zaxa. Uh, that was, and here are the results um, of those two games in addition to the first couple playoff games today, which we'll talk about in a second. But Yashevsky needed five sets to beat Gdansk, and it was 23-21 in the fifth, which is which is insane. And Gdansk went up two sets to none before Yashevsky pulled out a, a, a miracle of a, of a sweep. And I didn't expect that this was going to be that interesting because Gdansk was in like a distant ninth in the standings and they would have had to win one or both of those matches to overtake Varsava or Katowice in the playoffs. But it's set up for going into that very, very last match where Zaxa went to Gdansk. Zaxa, all they had to do was take two sets. And Zaxa knew they had to take two sets. So sure enough, Zaxa goes up two sets to none. Uh, you see that second from the bottom there, 25-22, 25-21. Then they pulled all the starters completely. Love all it. of them. They Love pulled all, all the starters. Gdansk comes back. They get the reverse sweep. They leapfrog Vershava and Xavierce, 
or Katowice, excuse me, to go all the way up to seventh. And that has huge ripple effects. One, Vershava's out of the playoffs. I bet they are pissed. But my, my response to them, if they're pissed, uh, you probably shouldn't lose your last five matches in a row, as you see there on the graphic. The other thing, <laughs> the other part of that is, wrong? the other part of that is that now because Gdansk is in seventh, not eighth, Zaxa doesn't have to go to Gdansk again, which is the farthest trip there is in Poland. Instead, Zaxa gets to play Katowice, which is a one-hour drive. They can do that in a day and not even have to stay overnight. I, I think it's, I think it's less than that. It's like. They're like forty kilometers from each it's, other. Yeah, it's it's forty miles. I, I looked it up today. It's like an hour at most during rush hour. And now now Jashevsky has to make the crazy long drive to Gdansk. You, my question to you boys is this a, like is this a, a slimy move from Zaxa? No. Are, are they manipulating the system here, or like what's your take on this entire situation? Should they be allowed, or rather, not should they be allowed to do this because you can do whatever you want? Should they be punished for? perhaps manipulating the the standings like this uh, no i mean sorry I, I i'm gonna be quick ever like if, if it. you it's not it's not the team it's the system it's the it's the tournament the teams are allowed to play within whatever rules are granted if you know if you wanted to change this you can do you know top four teams get to pick their opponents that's the only way to avoid people going going and in, in, in sliming around for seating do i think it's an honorable move absolutely not <laughs> like I, i'd say play every game hard until the end but you know Fair, fair enough to them. But I mean, like we, we see it in other sports all the time with, you know, load management or, or game management. You're going to play your bench players against uh, uh, against a lesser team, right? So, uh, yeah, sure, the fact that this happened at the end of the season is a little bit questionable, but you would have seen this, like you probably would have seen something similar had they played in December, right? Where they play their guys sets one through two, and in the third they let a few more guys in Does it work i don't out? agree with that i don't agree with that at all if it's not if if the situation was not the way it was where they knew for a fact that they only needed to win two sets they would have absolutely played the starters through the end because when in earlier in the regular season when every single match matters so much you have no choice but to do that there's no way you pull the starters up 2-0 in a normal normal regular season game but no we match. have seen that from zaxa this year right? they, I, they've had losses where They've just kind of let their their bench guys go out there, right? So I, I kind of agree with Everett because I think they learned from last year, where in the Plusiga playoffs they just got absolutely gassed, and fatigue was a huge factor of it. They, and they started the entire lineup for pretty much every single game without without even taking a breath. Right, we see it in the NFL all the time, right? Where teams will who have already clinched their division and clinched the playoffs or whatever will rest their players. And and end of season, end yeah, of season. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that, but you don't see a game in week eight of the NFL where nothing is decided yet where they, they go up like I don't know they go up 24 points at halftime and pull the starters out like you don't see that we, we've seen comebacks from down 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl you can't afford to do that yeah but the Super Bowl isn't uh it isn't midseason but I don't know at the end of the day I, I don't think I think it's I, I think it's within the confines of the rules and they're, they're using it to their, their best advantage um it's a little bit it's a little bit questionable but like you said hey Warsaw just win be better be better be better. Right. Don't lose Just, your last five. Don't JW, do that. be better. Right? It's it, it was a close one for for Zaxa. They they did the bare minimum, but hey, maybe that will will help them win it at <laughs> Boy, the end. Boy, did they end really the do season. the bare minimum? They they brought it all the way down to set record, uh, tied in matches exactly. and points. They brought it all the way down to set set record. But they they, they uh, knew exactly what they needed to do and they got yeah, it done. That's right. Dan's right. Uh, you play within within the structure of the league. They they can do the math. They understood what they needed to do. However, the optics of it are just not good. <laughs> they no. are not good.
Now, yeah, I do. I do the same thing in, in my Monday night league. You know, you just talk, <laughs> toss in, toss a game or two to avoid the matchup. Yeah, exactly. And now, well, Rob, avoiding the travel is, uh, I think, a non-trivial part of this. Now they're going to no. make. I think that's a yeah. That was a good travel it. analysis. It's a huge factor for these guys. A these massive, guys aren't flying. Massive deal. Massive. They're, they're, deal. they're taking coach buses. They have giant legs. Like it's definitely, definitely a factor. Huge, huge difference. You can't overstate the difference between playing Gdansk versus playing Katowice if you're there in southern. And Southwestern Poland, where both Zaksa and Yashevsky are. They're both right there. Katowice is right there. Gdansk couldn't be farther. It's all the way like on the northern, the beach of the Baltic Sea up there. It's it's far. six hours. It's six hours away. It's, it's six far. hours by by bus. And yeah, that's that's a lot of hours for for your your boy Eric Soji, um, and and the rest the rest of his team. So I think you know, like if you're the first place team, you get the opportunity to kind of pick who you who you want to play. And uh, they got the best case scenario by getting to play Katowice. Now JW is going to be a little bit more tired. Um, and when it comes down to that potential final, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Now, Rob, you got to watch a couple of the matches that were going on today. We did see a bit of an upset um, with Rousseau, or with sorry uh, Olsten taking down Skrav Beltatov um, and then Zarichi taking down Rusovia in the other one. What did you see from those matches? Yeah, so just to go over Zavierce versus Zhezhev really quick, uh, that's the four versus five series. Uh, here's the entire Polish playoff bracket, by the way. Uh, Zaksa versus Katowice is one versus eight. Um, Zavierce versus Rusovia is four versus five. Like you're, You expect that one to be very competitive, but uh, Skra versus Olsztyn is uh, three versus six. You would mm-hmm. expect uh, Skra to be favored. Now, this match was in Olsztyn. They were playing at home, but uh, Carol Butrin. Dan, you've been high on this guy for a long time. 24 for 35, only four errors, 69% kills, and 56% efficiency. Wow. I mean, he's one of those guys that I I have to sing the praises of all the time because nobody outside of Poland knows who he is. And there's a a surprising amount of Polish players like this in the Plusliga. Like, these guys are are really good, and and it's so tough, so, so tough to – to get in that uh, Polish national team pipeline. And as you guys know, like how many Polish players play outside of Poland? Like almost none. Almost zero. Why, like, why would you? You why see would you? Yeah. occasionally Russian once or twice in Italy. Uh, I guess Wilfredo Leon counts. Anyway, my point is that there's all these like not A plus guys, but like A minus guys in Poland that you would never know about unless you follow the Plusliga, which is why I'm always telling people to follow the Plusliga. And Carol Butrin is definitely one of those guys for the last few years. Uh, he's not that flashy, you know. He's not he's not jumping out of the gym. He's just a really you know solid, very hard hitting player. Like yeah, I think that's one thing really hard. I think that's one thing we don't like, or at least I don't hear enough in the volleyball discussion. Literally, just like the power of the hit, not your jumping ability or or your or your reach or anything like that. Just the literally the the force you get the ball with it is actually a very big factor, especially at this level where. A lot of your points are scoring on attacks coming at guys ready in position around the block that just can't make the dig. Right, yeah. Uh, arm talent, to use just like a, a quarterback analogy. Can, do you have the arm talent as a, an elite international opposite? And I think Butrin does have the arm talent. He might not have a couple of the other physical pieces, but he definitely has the arm talent. And Dan's right, against a triple block, if you can hit the ball hard enough off the top of a triple block where a middle back defender like on the end line or even deeper in position sticks still can't dig that ball, then you have an advantage over people that can't hit the ball that hard. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, he reminds me so much of a guy like Jak- Jakub Yarish, who a few years ago kind of like stepped in off the bench for the Polish team and just started going off, and no one really, really knew who he was. And if you look at the right side talent that Poland has had over the years with Bartman and with Kurek and now with Kazmarek, there's not, there hasn't really been a lot of space to to fit in there. But Dan, you're right. Like Poland is just so deeper. They have these guys that kind and, of and another guy in. to go back. I guess what to go by go back to why Gdansk is doing so well. Uh, Lipinski Lasley. as well. Yeah, Lipinski. Lipinski is exactly an, an, another guy too. So it's just so much depth in that in that that Polish system. So that's why they're they're Bull so. Close. But <laughs> yeah, at, at yeah, the sure. end, <laughs> at the end of the day, do we? Is there any other favorite? Like, is any team here going to compete with with Zaxa? I know we had that conversation last year, and obviously they didn't end up winning it. But is it the same this year? I think it is. Uh, I think a lot of these earlier series are going to be where the real drama comes in. Like this Skra versus Olsen series could be really good because I think Skra's better than them, especially because Olsen lost one of their starting outside hitters. Uh, they brought in Maisam Salehi from Iran to be a starter the entire year, and he left halfway through the year with injury. And like today, uh, Robert Andringa, 0% efficiency. So they didn't get anything out of him on the outside, and they were still able to beat Skra. That series could be fun. I think Xavier Che versus Zhezhov is fun. Um, that match today was good. Euros Kovacevic was awesome. And then, like I said last week, as we were sort of starting to talk about the Plusiga playoffs, who gets the third Champions League spot? I think that's going to be a little bit more dramatic than who wins the league because I do think that Zaxa is so much better than everybody else, Yashevsky included. I really don't see them coming back and pulling the miracle like they did last year. No. Yeah. I still, I still like part of me wants to pick Yashevsky, but after that Champions League no. beat down, no way. That um, was a beat down. That, that was five sets of pure butt kicking. Rob, remind me in Poland, is it, do they play a third place series for Champions League or is it by, is it by, I'm pretty sure they play a, a third place series, yeah, okay. but I, I want to double check that to make sure because that, yeah. that matters a lot for how you pick that last uh i think i think i, I don't think his going to beat zaxa but i still think they can grab grab one of those spots um i still think they're a very good team especially on the right day uh, i don't know where the last one though i, I confirmed uh, oh, they do they do play a third okay. place series the losers of the semifinals yeah play. rob like you said on olshin uh salehi was huge from uh andringa hitting uh 21 efficiency uh in those in their last 10 games he's basically a second libero that's, that's what he's in there for and yeah, my, my I mean, boy TJ had a couple Falco, bad Taylor Averill, um, yeah. some American boys balling out. I like to see that. Averill today, seven for 10, four blocks. Uh, that, that's outstanding. DeFalco, 13 for 28. Uh, so they're, they're, I think they're a fun team to watch even without Salehi. And you're just not even passing that well right now either. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, playing, he's playing good defense. He's great, great back row defender. but Liability. Uh, yeah, everything else. Uh, I think Scraw, I think Scraw is going to get the third spot. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I think that they could. I think that Rosovia could, and I think that Zavierci yeah. could too. I think that the winner of that four or five series is going to have is don't, definitely. Don't you be feel effective. like Zavierci has been slowing down a little though? Yeah, a little, a little. I, I don't think they're. I don't think they're built for the long haul, and I think that. I, I think that's kind of what we started to see from them. Yeah. But I, they have world class wings, or I, I would not Konarski. I definitely wouldn't give him that. But Conte and Kovacevic are awesome. Yeah, I think they should go. For me, they've been relying too much on Conte though. I yeah, think I, I think it's time, unless Conte does what he did. At, I forget it was the Olympics, where he's like hitting like two percent at VNL and then like did extremely well at the Olympics. He, he is a clutch player; he does have that. But Kovacevic, I think, is a better player, and he's having a better season. Uh, you know, he's hitting a lot better already. He, he's serving quite well. So I think 
and he's shown on on Serbia and on Trentino in the past that he can't be that kind of first option. So I would I would I would go with uh, Kovacevic. Well, ask and, ask and you shall receive. Kovacevic today, forty five attempts. Conte twenty three. Konarski twenty seven. Yeah. What question? Question for you Coach guys. Dan. Question <laughs> for you guys. What happened to Sam Daru? Like Dude, in, the stat line in this one: eleven points, nine for twenty three. Like, remember when he was all world? Whenever, remember when he was touted as being one of the best, one of the best young players in the game? He's just fallen well, off. Even so even heavily. even like three or four years ago, I would have put him like you know top fifteen outside hitters. He was he, when he was on Zaxa, he was he was a beast. He was mm-hmm. hitting the ball extremely well, playing well within the system. One of the best blocking outsides. Uh, had a nasty serve. Ever since he complained about the Champions League pre, pre-Champions League match last year where he said the ceilings were too low and that's why Dynamo Moscow lost. That's, that's, that's what Kirsten, ever since then, <laughs> ever since then he's, he's been doing that. But like you said. a CEV insider manufactured curse right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but ever, like you said, Derue in his last 10 games, 21% efficiency. Robert Andringer levels here. Yeah, that is all. that is bad. I mean, another guy looking at this stat sheet who seemed like he was coming on so hot. Rob, you might know a little bit. This guy, Nick Sturgeon out of Loyola, Chicago, coming in off Ohio the bench. This, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Ohio State. My bad. I know he won the Miva. Give me that much at, at, at least um, com- coming off the bench. I mean, it seemed like last year he was shaping up to be kind of a star in the Plus Liga. And now he's coming off the bench for Rusovia. What's going on? Well, he reclassified as Polish because he's, he was born in France, but uh, to Polish parents. He got Polish citizenship, now no longer counts against the foreigner limit, which is enormous. And he's still sitting the bench behind a Sam Derue playing like garbage. I'm annoyed by this because I, I even called for it today in the Discord. And, and he came in for like a backcourt rotation for Chibul, I think, and that was it. I, I want Sherson to be playing more. He's lethal from the service line. I think he's a good compliment to Chebu across from him. If Daru's playing bad, take him out of the game. Quit starting him. If it, like his leash needs to be significantly shorter than it is if he's hitting like twenty percent efficiency in his last ten matches. Yeah, just more stooge like behavior from stooge like uh, behavior from from European coaches who don't don't switch it up. It's it's crazy. Oh, overall question for you guys: How uh, like how far are we from? Do you think we're just being sports fans? Uh, you know, who, who just criticize coaches because that's what sports fans do? Or do you think there's still a lot of, you know, tactical ceiling left for top-level volleyball? Oh, to I, I think there's a huge amount of tactical ceiling left. And I think that what we're seeing is that the game has the game has transitioned and changed so much, right? Think about some of the best coaches we've had today. They grew up in an era with, you know, side-out scoring, games to 15, no liberos. The game was a much different place. The, the game was a much different game even 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Think about how much the game has changed throughout the years. And that's why exactly why we're, we're, we're seeing, I think, personally, I think that's why we're seeing maybe a laggard situation in the NCAA because you have all of these older coaches who are used to an older style of game and who are used to an older style of volleyball that just don't cut it anymore. I know for sure that we're seeing in Canada as we're seeing is, is a youth movement. Um, I mean, you know, Benjo obviously is at the at the forefront of that. Gabe DeGroote doing a great job at, at Queens. Mike Hawkins at UBC. How, you know, Terry Daniluk passed things down to Brock Daviduk. All the most successful clubs or university programs in right, in right now in Canada are with these younger, more exciting coaches who understand the game at a higher level, right? They've built off of the shoulders of giants that have come before them. 
Um, and right now, I think that we're seeing that situation where a lot of these older school coaches can't keep up with what the game, where the game is at. And we're really starting to see those younger, younger coaches come in and, and make an effect. And I think it's that transition right now where you've got younger guys who understand the game way more than, than the older guys who, you know, grew up with rally point scoring and no, and no libero. Yeah, I, I don't know, Everett. Uh, Lawrence said he's looking a little old for forty-two. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not an absolute, but I think I think there's some some outlying factors in in there. Um, and I mean, you know, I brought up Terry Danilek before. He's he's obvi- obviously one, but man, like you telling me that like Heinen and uh, you know who's who is uh, the guy at Warsaw this year? What's what's his face? Anastasi. Uh, Anastasi used to be one of the best coaches in the year, and now he's not even making like terrible. Champions League and a terrible uh, run in the Plus League as well. Like, if anyone's the Los Angeles Lakers right now, it's Warsaw. Yeah, maybe coaches have a have a prime and a decline of their careers the same way players do, despite no physical deterioration. Yeah, just yeah. to bring it back to the top levels, Dan, that's a great question. I think that I think that Zaxo last year really deserves a lot of the credit for generating some of the shift in the game that we've seen. Because there was a huge break from COVID when everything kind of hit a wall. And then there was kind of a malleable moment for the volleyball world where after a dead stop, there was going to be some there, a time where you could define sort of the path of the game in the future. And I think Zoxa came in last year and did that to a degree. I think it's why you see Trentino succeeding the way they, they are this year. Playing a three outside hitter system and going back to the Champions League finals with arguably inferior talent than some of the teams that they've played the and i i know that we roast coaches a lot when they do dumb stuff but i i like that we praised lorenzetti earlier when we talked about trentino champions league for the, the work that he's done not just in that matchup but really all season they've had to roll with a lot of punches and he made the call to define that team with that three outside hitter system i think zaxa last year the way that that team was constructed and the play style that they had and also the way the club organized that with like much longer term contracts and building continuity over several years has reinvented the way the club game is going a little bit because now now we're seeing a lot more longer term contracts being signed already this year I've, I've seen more two three even four year deals being signed in pro club volleyball than I ever have before I've n- I'd never really heard of anything but one year deals until this year we, we, we know that Leon has extended we know that now Rok Mozic has extended with Verona until 2025, which I couldn't believe. A club that barely avoided relegation, able to keep one of the great young prospects in the entire world for four more years. Uh, even Jan Hadrava signed a long-term deal today. It, it's, it's crazy, the shift. And it, it's a good thing, in my opinion, the shift towards longer-term deals. That combined with the playstyle influences, I think a lot of it, I think, and more than I think we talk about regularly, a lot of it goes back to what Zaxa did last year. Hundred percent. Now, I actually kind of want to jump. You bring up Rock Mozic to Verona until twenty twenty five. That's an absolutely huge move by a team that you know was fighting off regular regu- regulation relegation regulation <laughs> having a stroke You're over like, here goodness gracious but reg- regulators warren g nate dog what are we talking about here <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't even know right um verona signs mozich until 2025 
absolutely massive. I love the fact that one of the smaller clubs is keeping a big name and he's not getting picked up by a Lube or 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 Perugia might get like kind of lost in their bench. But they're also rumored to go go be going out to pick up two other big names. One of them is my boy, Mr. Former Captain Canada, Gord Perrin. So that to me, that that pairing of Rock Mozic and Gord Perrin on the left side is pretty I nasty. Love that move. But like, and on top of that, you're going to be. Talking- I, I gotta get. I gotta get like a Verona jersey. Yeah, That's Verona. Like, and, and not to mention, too, too, halfway through the season, Verona's jersey karma changed quickly. Last year, they had the worst, just white and black T-shirts with nothing on them ever, and then this year they got changed to the blue and gold. Sick jerseys. But how good would Namuri Keita, the Malian? all-star out of Korea look alongside Rock Mozic and Gord Perrin. Does that not make you excited to watch Verona next year if that actually happens? That's going to be probably the most fun team in the entire, in the world to watch next year. And it's not, it's not necessarily going to be because they're going to win much of anything. They've still, they're not going to have the budget. And then more importantly, the Italian talent to really be a factor, like to win the Superliga, but oh my goodness, are they going to be fun? Dan, you're the prospects guy. Tell us about this Malian kid that's been playing in Korea that almost nobody knows about. He's he's unbelievable. Or he's yeah, going so to be unbelievable. For, for those of you uh, who don't know, I mean, the Korean leagues, it, it, it's fine, but it definitely is even a step below the Chinese and Japanese league. So I think we have to preface all this with that. However, I would rate Korea higher than China. For men's, okay. I agree. Yeah, okay. 100%. I would rate Korea higher than China for men's volleyball. Okay. Um, but Nomura Kita, if you're scoring 50 points, I mean, he, and, and, and just, if you guys get an opportunity, go, you can, I think you can find a lot of the games on YouTube. Uh, go watch him play. He is one of the best athletes we have in the sport. Um, he's a bit of an unorthodox player. Uh, he does kind of like this trademark windmill attack. That That's really cool. Not sure if that'll still work in, in Italy. <laughs> it works well against Korean block, but he has the athleticism. He has, I, I was anticipating waiting for him to come because he could easily be one of those guys that just collects, you know, the 350K in Korea every year. Like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Why not? Um, so I'm really glad that he's he's coming over to Italy, at least trying. Uh, definitely, it's going to be good for his skills to, uh, to to get some some run in the Italian league. I think it's still the best league to build up your skill set. Um, he's going to get a lot of opportunities. He's going to get a lot of attacks. I, I don't know if the fit is perfect with Rock Mozic, as we know, the leading scorer in Italy. Um, you know, you're taking a guy who who's famous for getting 55-point games, and then you have this prodigal, young, scoring talent on the outside. Uh, that's a couple of mouths to feed. Mr. Gord Perrin there, I've heard he might be, he might be taking on a little more of that libero, libero OH2 role, which is fine. Uh, but, but I think he, I think he thrives in that position. Yeah, but like you said, they're not going to have the Italian talent. I really wish we had maybe at least one less um, for like the yeah. Italian spot. Because first of all, Italy doesn't need it. They have the best talent development, youth development program in the world by, by far. far. By far, and coach development program. Every single young player and coach is coming to Italy to learn how to how to teach volleyball. Um, they have an excellent youth academies. They have this whole infrastructure set up alongside the club program for young players to thrive in. If that's the reason you think like players aren't, aren't going to do well, you know, a Luigi Randazzo didn't 
didn't did not succeed because uh because he wasn't getting enough playing time in Italy didn't succeed because he wasn't good enough as we've seen <laughs> for guys like Daniel Levia and Alessandro and injuries and Micheletta. Um so if we're you know if we're gonna improve the entertainment aspect of the product and I I would you know I'm fine if Italy has the dominant men's league in the world for the next few years that's fine with that's fine with me though it kind of sucks being in North America but it's 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 been pretty good the, the viewing experience with Rob commentating games has been a lot better. So, uh, yeah, I think if we're going to push this entertainment product, and I think the FFVB does, and I think CBC Capital does, then I think we're going to have to open the number of foreigner spots because a lot of these teams can still, you know, pay 150K for a very good middle. And we can see a lot higher talent level in the league. And it just kind of screws over teams like Verona and Padova that they have to dig so deep for liberos and middles and setters, yeah. even though the rest of the roster is actually pretty good. Yeah, that's exactly the point I was going to bring up is that this Verona setup with these three wings, first of all, uh, Kate is a little bit volatile despite the potential upside. Can he be like a day in, day out starting opposite in Superliga? We have no idea. Huge question mark. mark. And I agree with what you guys talked about this on Friday. I agree with Dan's point that no matter what, it's an upgrade over Mads Jensen. But can can he be a day in, day out, like reliable, efficient scorer? I have no idea. Then you can only spend one more foreigner spot elsewhere, and by that point, you're probably scraping the bottle of libero for middles, liberos, and or setter. And I hope you don't use it on like Luca Spirito again because I would disagree with that completely. No, he yeah, didn't even play. He, sat, he sat the bench behind a 42 year old all year. Luca Spirito made my made my uh, and that was by far team. the worst pick either of you made. No, I, I, just, I disagree with that. Extremely low on spirit. He sat the bench behind a 42-year-old 5'11 guy all year. What, what was our best pick, Rob? Uh, Dan, <laughs> or sorry, Everett's best pick was Gabriele DiMartino, the middle from Toronto. That was the best pick you guys made. Value. Great value. value. Money ball. Money I think Russell. Come on. Yeah, can't but, even, but the, value, the, the value for DiMartino is the best. Yes, uh, Spirito should, is not a factor for me. He he will lower Verona's ceiling significantly. I think they've got to, if, if the foreigner rules stay the same as they are, they've got to get a foreign setter and just do the best they can with middles and libero from Italy. I, I don't know. I, I still, I think that there's a lot of, you're, you're completely right. Like we've never seen Namuri Keita in like a high performance system. I know he's done some training. Uh, like he's played a little bit in Serbia. He's done some training, training with Perugia, but we've never seen him in a system like this. I hadn't really thought about how, who are you going to give the ball to? These are two guys who expect the ball a lot. Yeah, Dan's got right? a great point there. So, uh, yeah, you're right. But man, I, I don't know. I think I think you're underselling um, Lucas Spirito a little bit. I think he's better um, than you. Is he, think. is he the worst Italian setter, Rob? That no. starts. No, and he well, he doesn't start, so that that qualification does not fit. But no, he's not the worst. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, other transfers that we have to talk about before we move on. Uh, it seems at least from what I was reading today, that is confirmed that Flavio Gualberto is headed to Perugia. And I know that that's been floating around the Discord and the internet the last week or two, but that was confirmed by some source in Brazilian media. My question for this is the same. If Soleil stays and Perugia's using two foreigner spots on middles, what are they going to do? Like, who are their three Italians going to be? Just just play Italian league with four and, and win Champions League. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, you're right. This is actually going towards a pretty like bad situation for Perugia. They've they've always been a little lighter on the Italian talent. The last couple of years, they've they've rolled with a lot of Italian middles and in Calacci basically. And luck, luckily, they have Gianelli. 
because uh, huge. Yep. Oh, yeah. enormous, enormous. So either I mean, it's going to be Ginelli. It's either going to be Calacci or or, Pic- or Piccinelli if if he's ready to uh, to step up to that starting role. Um, and I, I think they're going to have a season next year where they they put you know put a guy on the bench, whether it be a Flavio or whether it be a Soleil or a or Anderson or, or, or someone might have two players on the bench. We saw that when Lube Chivinova brought Mateusz Biniak in, where he only played in like Club World Champs and Champions League. And then he went immediately back to Poland where he was useful because that was an enormous waste of a world-class middle. I don't think that's a sustainable strategy. But it might be what they have to do. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know. I think this, this to me, they're not going. You're not going out to get Flavio if you're guaranteed to bring 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 Soleil back. You know, that's okay. that, that's the way the, the way I look at it. Also, just to, just one thing back to our Spirito versus uh, Rafael conversation. Spirito actually played more sets than Rafael uh, last season. Yeah, so you can't Ver- exactly. Verona was better when when Rafael played, and that's not okay. debatable at all. Guys, Rev, Revan, Revan in the chat. That's that's says, Ronnie. Uh, Ru- that's Ronnie Cuban Spike. Oh, hey Ronnie, uh, the alter ego Ronnie. <laughs> right. Rumors put Seda on Verona. Oh, gross. Oh, oh no, that's that might what? be worse than Spirito. Gross. Oh, we're just we were just praising earlier on the episode, Rob, that Japanese players are so high demanding, and, and it's and no player fulfills those demands like like Masahiro Saita. <laughs> oh, I. Th- Saita, like the the Japanese. No, no, no. I, oh, I thought Sakita. No, Sakita, sorry, I'm getting Sakita and Saita. Saita oh, yeah, okay. I, 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 I thought you meant Davide Saita yeah. out of Vivo, and I was just like, no, that's going to be But now terrible. that I said Sakita, I like that. Uh, well, if yeah. you think that that, jeez, if you think that Nishida is a blocking liability in the Super League, wait till you bring Sakita in and tell him to block three rotations. Yikes! And two, that's just bringing another foreigner. So you're using your foreigner mm-hmm. on your setter. No chance. No chance. Okay, what about Mateus Sanchez? Also a blocking liability and also a foreigner, despite yeah. the fact that I love him. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you're Poro. That would be more like it, but I think he is probably stuck in Milano because they've they you know they rolled the dice on him this year. He was so young, they gave him the keys to the car. I think they're gonna keep him. At least that's what I heard. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that, that both both at either ends of the kind of talent spectrum in the league i think what perugia and verona both do in the offseason is going to be super duper interesting with the foreigner limit in mind unless it changes i don't see it changing though i think that the italian federation will clamp down hard on anybody like even even the fivb trying to change what they do there that's going to require a lot of political willpower and quite a few political bullets if not cannons to to open that one up and agreed yeah i don't know I'm not. I'm not there anymore, so I can't peer enough behind the scenes to know what's going on. <laughs> we need to send you back in on a little espionage mission back to Europe for a couple weeks, Dan. <laughs> take take me with you, please. Hey, yeah. they're, hey, uh, they're coming. The Italian Federation is coming to VNL. Can, uh, that's good news. That. Yeah, VNL Ottawa. That, that's just stacked with all sorts of great national teams. And by great national teams, I mean obviously not the United States. Why would you send them to Canada, the closest possible place? <sighs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Just, just, uh, just heartbreaking. Would love to see, like, whenever we have the USA versus Canada in Canada too, it's a, it, it's an electric match. Like that's a, that's a match that we can sell at the stadium, and that stadium's like a twelve thousand person, person building, no, right? I want it and so it's, bad. It's, it's perfect for volleyball, and it's, it's, it's just uh, too bad. Um, Speaking of just, VNL, we yes. have, we have some news on this. Uh, there is the one of the final dominoes of like what is to be figured out with VNL has now fallen, and we have learned that the women's finals. Up for Volleyball Nations League this summer will be in Ankara, Turkey. Makes sense. Still no clue about the men's, but boys, is this a great pick? Because I think it is. 
great pick. Fantastic pick. You know, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna you're gonna go to a, a country that cares about it, that's gonna pack it out. You're gonna have a good team there in what I believe is now a final eight instead of a final six. Correct. Um, so it's it's better, it's more exciting. We're done with this garbage six team pool scenario cool play, that volleyball yeah. loves to do. We're getting back with the the, the rest of the world. Um yeah, yeah, I, I think that everything is pointing for this to be uh an electric uh nations league finals and you know what they probably won't have to go to uh you know the the dark seating around because there's probably gonna people be people there <laughs> and they have uh, facility familiarity because club world championships was just there true very very true and yeah we i mean we, we we know the turkish fans i mean arguably the best fans in the world Incredible. are just gonna are just gonna light that place up we saw the euro volley 2019 finals not in ankara but istanbul and that was just a, a sea of red a sea of red yeah that 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 country is nuts about volleyball women's volleyball in particular as i see every single time i do the european volleyball show the live chat is just dominated completely dominated by turkish fans uh which is awesome so uh other than that we, we who do we who do we want to see hosting the men's final I think it's got, it's got to be either Poland or Italy. I think they they have the most infrastructure to come in at the last second and host an event like that. Uh, not not that they're necessarily the best choices. I think they're great choices. They're two countries with great volleyball cultures and can probably pack that stadium. But I think just logistically, those two are the most likely. What about France? I could see France stepping up. They just won the the Olympics, right? It would be a great chance for them to put their team uh, on display. Could you see a Slovenia? After their performance last year, they've they're, pony, they're pony, ponying up maybe. for the super finals. Uh, Ljubljana is like a world class city. My like could, absolutely could. top underrated city in Europe that I've been to. Could could potentially yeah. Um, it is a lot of money to pony up though. And thinking at of you know they how, how much is a, it? I I don't know, but I know it's a lot, right? Like I know that you're probably taking a big loss on the nation's league finals. And that's just the reality of it is because the amount of matches that there are that you can only play so many home matches and you know, more than 50% of your matches aren't going to feature your home team. So you're probably not selling them out. Right. It's, it's, it's definitely a loss now do like, I don't know what it costs to host the champions league finals. I'm guessing it's going to be quite a bit. I don't really see the Slovenian federation having the deep pockets or, you know, having someone around to host both the super league or you know the Champions League finals and the Vienna finals. I think that's a it's a bit of a stretch. But Champions League finals only two same... matches in one day, though. Yeah, yeah but I'm, you... I'm sh- sorry. Go ahead. So you use the same venue, you use the same team. You kind of prepare for both at once. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you have all the channels, you have all the the I guess human resource infrastructure to do one, then you just do do the other just one. Do both. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with Dan. I think Slovenia is would it wouldn't surprise me if it went there, especially because they're going to have that major international event under their belt in again a month and a half which is way too long to wait for champions league but that i think that is perhaps a stepping stone to them getting more international events in the country and promoting slovenian volleyball because their national team is good i i kind of like that one yeah it, it, it could be interesting um definitely won't be coming to canada the usa i'm no. going to say that no, uh, zero percent chance fully. yeah no. zero percent chance Maybe no what happens if they throw it Chicago in the Philippines? Was sick. Well, it was sick for us. It was certainly sick for me. I live here, but it, it was so bad. It was so badly attended that uh, I, I think that USA Volleyball and FIVB are on the same page that that will not be 
happening again for an event of that caliber. Dude, I've, I I complained about this when we were first talking about VNL. I've been to those matches in Hoffman Estates, which is one of the suburbs here in Chicago, where they, they like to bring one of the weekends of like regular VNL competition under the old format for three days. And the crowd, if, if you don't get lucky and you have a, Europe, a European team like Poland or Serbia or Bulgaria playing where their home fans, their fans will be 95% of the crowd. If you don't have that, the the, the the behavior of American spectators at a volleyball game is so embarrassing that there's no way, there's no way the FIVB will tolerate that being on display for their finals. The last time I was there was when uh, Canada, Japan, and China came to Chicago for VNL, and the crowd was dead silent for serves like it was tennis. You could hear a, <laughs> oh, could hear a pin drop. Me. It yeah, was that's embarrassing. Like, that's kind of funny, though. It was embarrassing, and, and for that reason, reason uh that you cannot expect um usa to host anything for men's uh in the foreseeable future but apparently for women's it's acceptable to send them to shreveport bossier city louisiana <laughs> guys you, you got <laughs> stop doing this to me you're getting me on a roll i'm already sick i don't have the energy for this stop it ottawa's gonna be lit yeah i know ottawa will be lit oh god well speaking of american volleyball i want to wrap the show up with this because uh the volleyball league of america had quite the weekend uh i i build this particular event as because we had two events at the same time we had uh, so many matches man oh my god louisville central division six matches three teams double round robin i knew this was going to be a bloodbath sure enough every team goes two and two (laughs) team pineapple plays four or five setters uh they're almost dead tied in set ratio after the end of the weekend and it was absolutely insane i wasn't there i was in buffalo but the photos of the crowds at this gigantic juniors tournament with just we were on court 67 for reference and that was 67 of easily 100, if not more, courts that were going on and that many juniors teams. There there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people watching these three teams play, and uh, they delivered because the, the, the drama, just looking at these score lines, was, was off the charts. So that's cool. I'm excited to get the match video and do some watch parties on these. But even more ridiculous was this. Go Eastern Cleveland. Oh, Let's my go. God. Eastern Cleveland. This is ridiculous. So this is the tournament that I was at, eight-team tournament, the East Division Cup in Buffalo. Eastside Cleveland Volleyball Club, ECV, a literal worst-of-first story. They got dead last, 13th out of 13 teams at the Chicago tournament just a month ago, and they come all the way back, and they win this tournament. It was insane. Okay. Rob, I have a question. I actually, I actually watched the final match. I know. I uh, saw great, you in the chat. It was awesome. Good, great call, by the way. Um, Thank you. And the reason I think they won, is if I can do the analysis, um, there was one player on Eastern Eastern Central Cleveland or whatever it was who, I'm sorry, did not look like a volleyball player at all. Yeah. Like he was probably exactly my height. He was about. probably, you know, a little overweight, a little older. But what the heck? When he would go up for these like pipe attacks, and I was like, oh, he just sniped the corner. He would go, you know, hit hit in position four, and he would hit under the block. He would hit tool every time. It's like, who, what, who is this uh, guy? This is Jacob. This, that is a player that every name. that yeah. every like athletically challenged person. Sorry, I'm sorry if he's watching, but uh, you should watch him play because that was like a masterclass in how how to do a lot with not very much. He was incredible. Not not only yeah, he's he's a, he's not a big guy. He's uh like. Dan's right. He's he's. I don't know. I, I was up. Next, I was talking to him all weekend. He's six one, maybe a little heavier set. He literally has a goofy footed approach. He jumps yeah. goofy footed, but has an absolute amazing. cannon. He has a cannon. He hits the ball so hard. And this goes just, back to our top hitting power. To yep, it's a big, yeah, arm talent. He's got he's got world class arm talent. And then they had like 
he was he played left side and next to him on the left side was a six like yeah uh, I would highly I had so much I had a lot of fun watching PLA this weekend that was some pretty good streams you guys got going there um so let's keep it up throughout the summer how many more events you guys got there's only just the one event right there's just the VLL cup VLA there, there's there's a little bit more For, first of all to check out this little snapshot just a Inside the inside the ropes, look at our database at the number of matches that were played this weekend. I think it was twenty three total, which is uh, just ridiculous. So a lot of volleyball going on, and all of this was awesome. Yeah, up next, uh, we'll be in Boston at the very very end of this month for more uh, East Division regular season. Then VLA Cup is the big one in May that has twenty teams. That'll be completely insane. Then uh, we'll be on the West Coast one more time uh, Memorial Day weekend, like at the end of May for uh, the West Division. Then playoffs so uh, top six out of the eight tier one teams make playoffs uh, tier two the playoff structure is a little interesting um, top four teams on the year but if you win a vla cup tournament you're in therefore ecv is in so one one tier two playoff spot just got erased by the upset win of that tournament so a lot of fun drama going on here's a picture of the boys uh, <laughs> yeah out. number four number four there yeah, we yeah. Go. yeah i'm, I'm cheering dude. for them yeah he's barely but, taller than their libero Ever go back and watch the game footage, but Amazing. okay. Th- before we end here, here's my here's my sports media rant. This is that's the kind of thing that I experienced this weekend. That like that's a touch point that you want people to be on when they're getting into a new sport, when they're getting into a you know trying to follow a team. It's just like little stories like that. And Rob, I think you did a really good job of you know building up the story for people following along. And now that's something like this Eastern Cleveland team. Probably I'm not the only one. I'm gonna be like, well, now I'm gonna check them out next tournament. Let's see if they can do it again. Right? Let's see if there's something here. Uh, yeah, just well done, well done. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I've taken th- some of the conversations that you and I have had, Dan, about you know North American and ever too North American sports media and how it should apply to volleyball but doesn't, and creating storylines is a huge part of that. And a league like the VLA, where as very very few people tune in on a super regular basis and are up to date with all the storylines in a given match, especially like a championship match of a tournament, I have to outline why you should care about this if it's your first exactly, time yeah. watching so uh, a team going from worst to first is as good of a storyline as you can get like you're invested in that immediately wait they got dead last they got 13th out of 13 teams the last time they played they're about to win this tournament that's really cool so yeah th- thank you for recognizing that that was very intentional by me Ron, ronnie in the chat says dude looks like a home depot cashier who sits in <laughs> barbecue ribs on the weekends guys i swear that's what i thought too i was baller, like absolutely oh, Rob, baller. Rob, what kind of product are you putting out here man like who is this guy playing and then and then i was like oh shit what baller. what is going there's on? actually there, I, I remember a story like that uh one year like the canadian i think it was like 2013 or something canada sent like uh, a team to the university games and this team was stacked i had like steven marshall rudy verhoof like uh i'm pretty sure tj sanders one was on that team it was very much the team that like moved on to the olympics and the one of the best teams um that year was the czech republic and they had this big kind of greasy looking right side that no one could stop guess who that guy was jan hadrava Jan Hadrava, exactly. So, you no know what? Way. Sometimes, like that greasy old that dude that looks like he doesn't belong, ends up kicking Lube out of the Champions League. So, oh uh, hey, <laughs> it's exactly it's it's exactly what we saw this weekend from Eastern Cleveland. Oh, uh, that's really funny. Uh, well, we pretty much have to end the show with that that joke there. But before we do, uh, Everett, first tell the people about our sponsor, Bet US, before we get out of here. 
yeah, if you guys like betting on sports, hey, if you even if you just like sports, maybe you want to add a little, uh, you know, a little spice to your evenings. Why don't you try out some sports betting? We're all about um, spice in the volleyball source network, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, that that spicy that spice and the spiciness is is definitely present. Uh, if you're not aware, come join us on the Discord where you're going to be able to learn to bet. Johnny Boy will will teach you. Um, and that's why we've partnered with Bet US. They are. America's favorite sports book. They've been around since 1994. They are the true OGs of it all. And look, we're straight up giving you free money, right? When you sign up with BetUS using the code Volley125, you can use the link just down below in the show notes. It is going to give you a 125% deposit bonus. You deposit $100, it's going to give you $225. It's literally free money. So make sure you check out the link below. Use the code Volley125. And get your betting game on. What, what are you waiting for? Yep, what are you waiting for? And come hop in the Discord with us to talk about that and all the other great volleyball going on uh, this week, this weekend. Uh, we got uh, Italian semis starting tomorrow with Modena Perugia, then Trentino Lube on Thursday. There's going to be a lot, a lot of activity in the Discord as it is fully in the middle of club playoff season. So uh, the Discord is by far the best place on the internet to chat with other volleyball fans from literally all around the world it has changed my volleyball consuming life and it will do the same for you and then of course this show uh, we'll be back next tuesday and these two lovely canadian gentlemen will be back i assume on friday like usual with uh your regularly scheduled 5-1 volleyball source crossover podcast uh, it's easter it's easter this weekend so uh tbd uh, on that right. we maybe uh, have to change the time we'll talk we'll talk out well, yeah, right. uh, we're pumping out a lot of content these days, uh, both myself and these other two. So uh, make sure you're subscribed here to Volleyball Source. Follow us all on Instagram uh, and join the Discord for kind of it all in one place. There's a lot going on. So uh, thanks for watching. And boys, thanks for joining me. It's great to see you both. We'll talk next week, huh? Thank you, Rob. And thank you, Everett. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Peace.